Dancers have a lot to balance. From their pirouettes to their jumps, a dancer's performance is a direct result of hard work and motivation. So where does food fit into this? There's a lot of myths and a ton of antiquated ideals about what a dancer's diet should look like. And I'm here to dispel those. I'm Rachel Fine, registered dietitian nutritionist and founder of To The Point Nutrition. I'm the dance nutritionist and I'm here to tell you that to be a successful dancer, you don't have to diet. Instead, I'll teach you how to use food as your best tool to enhance your performance. A nourishing meal plan not only fuels your dancing, but also enhances your strength, improves your balance, supports your flexibility, and most importantly, reduces your risk to injury. Today, I am speaking with Katherine Barkman, who is dancer with the Washington Ballet. But Katherine, you are the expert of yourself. So I'm going to give you the floor to really introduce yourself to everybody out there. Uh, today's topic and subject, we're really going to be focusing a lot on your role as a dance educator and really um, dancing away from home. So we'll get into that. Though. So why don't you kind of give us a real overview of who you are and yeah. Great. Well, I'm super, super happy to be here and I will try to keep my little puppy um, from oh. barking. She's, we're learning like not to bark at everyone who passes. So I apologize in advance if that's, um, you know, becomes an issue. But no anyway, so I'm Catherine. I'm a dancer at the Washington Ballet. Um, I began my professional training at age 14, was trained in the Vaganova method by my teacher, Nadia Pavlenko, born and raised around Philadelphia area in Pennsylvania. Um, and then at 18, I um, became a principal dancer with Ballet Manila in the Philippines and went very, very, very far from home early on in my career. Um, got, got a lot of experience on stage dancing neoclassics and um, had a lot of great experience there went to two international ballet competitions, and that's where I met uh, Miss Julie Kent at the USA International Ballet Competition in 2018. And, uh, and I joined uh, the Washington Ballet soon after that. So I've been with the company about three years now. Um, I also you know, get to travel a lot and, um, and perform on international stages, as well as uh, I teach for the uh, Washington School of Ballet on the side. Sometimes I pop in for some class. Awesome, awesome. And is yeah. that school actually in person right now or are a lot At of things virtual? At the moment, virtual? not yet, but the students have been just incredible, like incredibly diligent, incredibly um, disciplined. They're all working from home at the moment, but hopefully soon everyone will. <laughs> so Catherine, you know, was there ever a specific, specific time in your training you, um, you said started your professional track actually on the younger side Right? You said you were about 14? Yes. Yeah. I mm -hmm. mean, I started like serious ballet at like 14. So in fact, I was a little bit that's what's the, late. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. so that's the older end. So I was yes. just wanted to clarify. So you started your more pre-professional track on the late side at age 14. That's right. Okay. So among that time, would you say you ever had a, a time where you pinpointed or realized that you know what you were eating was impacting how you were you know um performing on stage or in class like when did you make the connection between your food choices and your abilities as a dancer 
Um, I would have to say I didn't notice it until I wish I had noticed it sooner. Um, mm -hmm. But I, I really didn't become super aware of it, I would say, until I was maybe like 20. So um, I, I only kind of came to that realization once I became a professional. And, um, and, you know, my work schedule was different. My whole life was different. I was living away from home. Um, I had already been a principal for what, like two, two years at that point. Um, yeah, I think that was when I first started to realize like, oh, I'm not eating enough. <laughs> Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I have mm -hmm. a very bad relationship with food. And that was something that I definitely came to realize about like two years into my professional career and, and had to ha kind of have a sit down with myself. Like we have some work to do with this. Yeah. And that's especially hard when you're away from home. And yeah. I know that I work with a lot of dancers who are usually just at the beginning stages of auditioning for companies that are abroad. And obviously now with COVID things are definitely changing, but dancers, you know, they still have those ambitions and wanting to be abroad. And I'm currently working with a lot of dancers who are in junior companies, you know, in Germany and in Paris. Uh, so they're away from home. They're very young. Uh, and, you know, how was that? for you to move to another country um, and be thrown into a completely new culture in regards to food and how, and fueling your body. Was that a huge learning curve? Yeah, it definitely was. Um, I think like I can say as someone who developed like poor eating habits from like the very, like pretty early stages of my career, I'll be very transparent with that. Sure. Um, yeah. That, when I went to another country, it became even worse because of course, like the one thing it, for me, it was never even really about the food. It was about, that was the mechanism for what I could control or what I thought I could control. Right. So moving to another country that added like a whole nother layer to the mix of mm -hmm. like, you know, I was also in the Philippines. So like when I got off that plane, I didn't even know where I was going to get food. I didn't, mm -hmm. there was no giant, there was mm -hmm. no, Yes, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, there weren't even stores or brands that I even remotely recognized. There was zero comfort. There was zero control. So wow. I think that it actually made it even worse because there was this fear element, you know, and it wasn't even just about fueling at that point. It, like there was a whole layer of, of fear around food in general at a very early stage in my career. Sure. And, and I think that, you know, a lot of dancers develop this fear before their professional careers, you know, as yeah. pre-professionals, it's so common for dancers to strive for that control. You know, it, when you're a dancer, right. so much is out of your control in regards to whether an audition is going to go well. Dancers having to rely on external forces. So whether that's their directors or their teachers or, um, you know, company, company members, the elders in the company, having to rely on that for the future of their career usually gives them a loss of control. And just like you said, most often food is this one thing uh, that a dancer can say, okay, well, I can control everything I put in my mouth. And that's where the 
fears and the anxieties and the disordered eating starts. So then yeah. like you, you have this as a pre-professional and then you go to what happened in your case was you're going to a completely different country and a completely different culture. And now you have this like true fear of, you know, what is your next meal going to be? And what is your next meal going to be? And it's almost this uh, false sense of food scarcity because yes you don't, you really don't necessarily know when and where and how your next meal is going to be. Did you feel like you had any support when you first got there? Oh, definitely. I mean, the Philippines food is, is a, is a joy in, in the Philippines. Mm -hmm. It's a big, big piece of their culture. And um, it wasn't as much, and, and also like, let's, let's be honest, there are, there's a lot of like food scarcity in general. In sure. The Mm -hmm. So coming in as someone who had like this, you know, kind of fear of food and on top of that, you know, you're seeing a whole nother side of the, of the world. Um, there was also that, that, that piece to it. I definitely had Absolutely. support from the company and, um, you know, I never felt like under pressure or anything. It was more just what was going on in my own head. And in fact, you know, my former director there was, she's like, you have to fuel your body, you know, mm -hmm. you, at, that's, that's it. Like food is your tool. Food is your friend. Food is something that you put in and you have to put in the right things to get the right results. And, and that was a, a huge, um, that was a wonderful, I had a really good support system there and I was very lucky for that, but I also sought it out. And there was a big um, learning curve where one, I had to recognize my own like misery around food to begin with, which was like number one step, like, oh, something probably needs to change here. I shouldn't be this upset all the time. Mm -hmm. And I shouldn't feel this like low energy. I shouldn't feel like hormonally imbalanced. I shouldn't have any of these like physical problems if I'm feeling myself right. So there were a lot of signs, but it also required me to take that first step and actually vocalize it to those who could help guide me, you know, this and it's really it, interesting. And it's especially being away from home, you know, my parents were 8,000 miles away. Yeah. Um, and, and I'd also just like to mention, like, it's, it's very comforting to have people who are in the dance industry help guide you through something like this, because there's a certain element of trust. There's a certain element of they know the physicality of it and what's required. And, mm -hmm. and how much fuel you really do need in order, because you're burning just so, so much as a professional dancer. Um, Absolutely. So that was a, that step that I took around age 20 when I actually spoke with Lisa, my director, and spoke with some of my mentors and said like, I definitely have an issue with this and, mm -hmm. and I need some guidance on what I should be putting in my body. This is such a good point because one thing about the dance world is that a lot of dancers think just because something is common makes it normal. So just because we see a lot of disordered eating and we see dancers, you know, sitting out from stress fractures or not getting their period, it's written off as being, oh, she's a dancer. That's normal. normal. No, no, no. But it's not. It's and it not. just will and lead it, you to injury. It will lead you to injury, both physical and mental. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I don't even want to put that aside because that, that was the piece that I definitely struggled with more than the physical. Like, I could never, I always was able to do a pirouette. I never got an injury. Like, I was lucky on that end. Um, but my mental 
happiness was just like at such a disadvantage over food and yeah. body image. Yeah. And, you know, I definitely had a similar history in the sense that my mentality towards food is what led me to burnout. And, uh, you know, I, I go back and forth in the sense of like, my history with food and dance is what allowed me to create everything I do now. So it's like, I, I don't really have any regrets. But that being said, I wish I could have um, had a road that was easier and had less um, pain around food yeah. and body image. And that's that. really, you know, my mission as a dietitian, and I assume now I want to hear your mission as an educator for dancers, yeah. you know, coming in as this role now and from this perspective and how we can uh, change what is known in the dance world. For example, you know, those quote unquote norms that really aren't normal. And mm -hmm. for dancers like yourself, when you were 20 to understand that something is not right. You know, having such fear and anxiety around food is not right. Like you can actually enjoy food. Sometimes I find that I'm just reminding the dancers I work with, like you can, yes. you can eat dessert. Like you could be a, a you dancer totally and eat dessert. You can. Yes. Yes. Right? You totally can. And you should. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I just so appreciate having this space to talk about it because the questions I usually get are like, what do you eat in a day? And I want to say like, that's not really important. <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> what I eat in a day is, is maybe not what's good for you to eat in a day. So mm -hmm. why would I, you know, let's not even talk about that. That's completely subliminary mm -hmm. to the real fundamental issue. And, and very early on, I realized was just, I deserved to be a happy artist. Mm -hmm. It was as simple as that. Like, I didn't have to be miserable. <laughs> mm -hmm. I didn't have to say no to certain foods. I didn't have to say yes to only other certain foods, right? There didn't have to be so much um, like rules around mm -hmm. eating and what I could put in my body before performance and what I could put in after performance. And there was just like so many conditions and so many guidelines and so many opinions, you know, about everything. Um, but really what that time gave me and being able to sit down and say like, okay, food is making me absolutely miserable, like as a whole, whether I was eating or, or not, right, or, mm -hmm. or restricting whatever I was doing, um, was not making me happy. And that in itself was taking away so much energy from the actual work. Like I was so distracted with what was going in my body that I was not focused on what was coming out of it, which was my work, which was you know, my joy on stage. Like, why, why do I need to be hungry to go on stage? I should feel like totally ready to rock and roll and like delight in this wonderful time with the audience. I didn't, that wasn't going to guarantee a good performance just because I followed, you know, what I do before I go on stage. Yeah, I think and that's a big P that was a big shift, like mental shift. To right. make and, and a scary one at first, I'll be completely honest, it's a scary one because you have to let go of your habits. Yeah, it goes back to that control, you know, you saying that um, you realize you can go on stage, do even better than you were doing. It's almost like you can go on stage and do better. 
and loosen the reins and not need so much control around whether it be control around your body weight or control around your food choices. So, and I think for so many dancers, again, I even know this with myself, um, unrelated to even food. Now I'm always going to be a perfectionist and a controlling person. And that's just who I am. And I've learned to like, how can I, yeah, yeah, exactly. It's okay. It's just, I have to learn how to navigate different things. Um, you know, how to loosen the reins in a way that I can therefore go about my day living with sustainable long-term habits, not something that's going to either lead me to injury or burnout, uh, with anything I do in life. That's right. And it just continues this cycle of the habit, right? So mm-hmm. I think I think that that time, um, it was difficult, definitely, like coming to terms with it. And then also like loosening the reins, as you said, and, and just allowing myself to make balanced and, and kind choices, like, just genuinely kind choices towards myself. Like I didn't need to be so hard on myself just to guarantee like a good show or a success Mm -hmm. or like whatever that means, because they came to a point where I'm like, if this is the definition of success, like I want out (laughs) because this Mm -hmm. is like not making me happy whatsoever. So once, once that kind of mind shift happened, um, I started making like really kind decisions about my food choices and, <laughs> and that's my dog <laughs> and had like a, a much better relationship overall, not just with food, but like with myself and with my own body image and just accepting myself for exactly who I am, um, which is, you know, a perfectionist as we call it and which is somebody who wants to excel and somebody who wants to, do well on stage, but I didn't have to go this like miserable path to get there. Absolutely. Um, so that was important. And then, sorry, we might've gone completely. No, you know, one thing I wanted to bring up that you mentioned before that I think is really important for the piece of just being abroad and being, or not even being abroad, but maybe just being in a new area. I have dancers now that are considering going over, they're in New York, they're considering going to San Francisco, going to a new area and realizing that food can be very much a part of that culture. And it can also be a part of your culture. And I think you realize this in the Philippines. I've seen this when I've gone to Europe. Um, The amount amount of pleasure and satisfaction and celebration culture uh, that is placed upon food and you know why can't dancers take part in that I think one of the first like realizations that I remember making just within this like path towards being where I'm at now with to the point nutrition is realizing that food can actually be fun food can be celebratory and that it should be you know emotional eating is actually not such a bad thing. Like we should, we should have a positive emotional relationship with food. And I think that there's a lot of fear around that with dancers. Yeah. I think there's also like, I just, I don't know where, like where in like the historic timeline of dance, we decided like all dancers have to be like absolutely miserable to be successful. (laughs) (laughs) And like, you can't celebrate it and you can't have cake and like, you can't drink champagne because like, that's not true. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Your success is 100% based on what you do in the studio mm-hmm. and your attitude towards what you do in the studio. So like, I feel that if 90% of your day, all you're doing is worrying about the after party of the show, like you're probably not putting your focus on the right thing. Mm-hmm. 
which it which should which should be the work that you so so enjoy like shift the gaze almost it's yeah. not necessarily like what's going in your mouth but what's going in your mind yeah and, and the fact that your thoughts are now driven towards success through your work and then you go to the after party and you absolutely enjoy that cake because you deserve that and that's okay and it should be celebratory i love that I yeah. think food is is a wonderful thing and it should be celebrated and not like, you know, spending the whole day like worrying about how am I going to get through that party at the end? Of Absolutely. It. You know, and I love that you said a dancer's work in the studio and, and what they do as an artist. So often dancers just can become hyper-focused on the physicality yeah. of dance. You know, there is a certain athletic factor as a dancer, but dance is an art um, and it's a dancer's job. You know, our, what we're taught to do is transcend an audience and, and tell a story through our body. Yes. We can't do that if we're consumed counting macros, counting calories, worrying about yeah. our next snack. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> you, you literally can't hold all of that and you shouldn't. Like that mm -hmm. shouldn't, that, and I, I'm not going to pretend like I've got it all figured out because I don't, you know, and I'm not a professional dietitian like you are. So I'd rather stick to like my own experience with this. And I can say that I saw a massive shift when I just shifted my gaze. Yeah, when I stopped I looking in the mirror and I started looking like, oh, wait, I'm, I'm, I'm doing the thing that I've always wanted to do. And here I am like worrying about, should I have an apple or carrots for lunch? Like that's not productive. Sure. You know, if I was like a teacher, if I had like a regular non-creative, that's necessarily creative profession, like it would be like me sorting through the recycling bin all day when like I have work to do on the computer. It just, it's <laughs> right. not actually logical. Right. Um, and that logic factor really helped me. Cause I'm very, mm -hmm. like, I am genuinely trying to be more logical. So having mm -hmm. that, um, that piece of the puzzle, like, wait, how am I supposed to get to point B if all I'm doing is like focusing on like what's over there, right? Right. Rather than just completely putting my energy on the work itself and, and relishing in that work like that in itself should be absolutely celebratory as well. Absolutely. And Catherine, how would you say you are bringing these messages? Not, not to like put you on the spot. And I'm also not expecting, I just want to like make it known. I'm never expecting uh, dance educators to be, you know, because because the work of teaching a lot of this work is exhausting in of itself. And I would never even want an educator to feel pressure to do that. Sometimes I always just recommend like, you know what, honestly, just point them to my account, point them exactly. to a bunch of other health professional yeah. accounts. That being said, you know, how do you feel? Because I think you have a really good, uh, a really good, like, rain on this. And I want kind of curious how you do bring it into your teaching and your working with students. That's a really good question. Um, this, this kind of discussion definitely comes up more. I'm also, um, I, I coach privately through a, um, a, a platform called My Sensei. So I get a lot of like one-on-one mm -hmm. -on -one private lessons with, with girls who are going that like super professional route. Sure. Um, and, and also within the Washington School of Ballet, you know, I have some more like one-on-one -on -one sessions and this sometimes at times comes up. Um, and 
I always take the opportunity to one, you're not alone in this. Sure. Um, and two, let's not talk about the food. So yeah. that's not my place. I'm not a dietitian. I actually probably should talk to you because I think I can really benefit <laughs> from some of your science, you know, the mm -hmm. science behind it. So I don't even pretend like I know anything, you know, with the science of food. But what I do recommend to them is this like reframing. And, and I think when I have the opportunity to have these discussions um, about body image and about sure. food and, and the struggles that some young dancers face is the reminder that it doesn't have to be this way and just redirecting them to the work that they're doing and not what's consuming their mind giving them some tools of like, you have to notice when this kind of thing happens. And that can be really tricky in and of itself because these are very like sticky thoughts. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so when this kind of thinking begins and like you become a, you know, a little bit more obsessive with the way that you're looking and you're afraid and, and all of these really, really difficult emotions arise, it can be hard to create the space to step back from the thought process and just observe what's happening yeah and then ask yourself like is this thought beneficial to me yeah that was beautiful honestly I'm really I don't mean to cut you off but that literally I mean totally pinpoints what a dancer needs to hear in regards to coming to terms with the fact that their habits I don't want to say disordered because I think that disordered is very hard to identify. I want to say unsustainable. Definitely. You know, as yeah. soon as something becomes unsustainable, becomes overwhelming and consuming in our minds, you are essentially showing them like, this is how we now extract this, identify and extract right. it. Right. And how do we move on from it? How like to, yeah, to not have it hinder us? I know sitting there and generalizing and saying in, you know, conceptually, Oh, don't worry about it. Like, right. that's not going to do anything because right. I had so many people tell me not to worry about it. And guess what? All I did was worry about it. Sure. So until I had actual tools to deal with my own mind, that was when things changed. And it mm -hmm. wasn't because of someone else. And it wasn't, it was because I had to do the hard work and go, I know what's happening here. I've seen it. I became really good friends with it. I mm -hmm. let it in and I was like, wow, yeah, I'm totally not being nice to myself right now. I had to stop, refrain, look at the thought, ask myself, is this worth it? And then redirect. Like the redirecting piece is so important because you have to get off the train and you can't get off the train if you're on the train. You have to stand on the platform and watch the train go by. And if you're, if all of these thoughts are coming to the surface, I try to tell my students or any anyone who comes to me with a question about body image and there's so many mm -hmm. and it really just makes me feel because at that point when I was 20 and, and in the thick of it like in the thick of this kind of mental distress <laughs> yeah around my own body image I felt so alone like I knew it was a norm which is probably why in a way that like 
the fact that this is a norm in the ballet world made it even worse because I felt even more isolated. I felt like everybody else had a handle on it. Like I could scroll, scroll through Instagram and look at photos of people and just compare and contrast like till the day went by. Right. Yeah. And, um, and it just added so much more fuel to the fire of like feeling alone in, in it and feeling like I was the only one who somehow didn't have it under control. Yeah. You know, my body Uh, changed. I was 18. I, I filled out, I became a woman, you know, (laughs) and, and that was such like, your body is going to change. And I don't know, again, where in ballet history we stopped, we started asking the question, like, how does that person look? And we stopped asking the question, what can that dancer do? Mm -hmm. And I don't like, I wish we could just revert to that. And I wish it would be that simple, but first we have a lot of individual healing to do um, around our relationship and social media doesn't help. I agree. Social media makes it worse. I agree that, I mean, I agree with everything you said, just individual healing that has to be done. A lot of unlearning. We have to do, dancers have to do a lot of unlearning of what is taught, you know, just from a culture as a whole, but then of course, what is then Uh, accentuated in the dance world itself. So everything we see about the negative impacts of diet culture in regular world is just made worse in the dance world because now you have dancers who are saying like, okay, all of those messages, you're right, Rachel, they're really bad, they're really unhelpful. But then I have this director who's telling me I have to lose X amount of pounds to fit into a costume. And I need that job or I want that role. So it's just all of these problems are made worse. And it's, it is a systemic problem that, you know, slowly but surely I do. And I don't like to sound naive. I mean, I do think we are slowly headed in the right direction. You know, more dancers Absolutely. are talking about this. It's definitely a slow progression. Um, but it's just a matter of, like you said, keeping up with the conversations and most importantly, dancers learning how to identify um, dangerous behaviors and and re and define for themselves what healthy is for you Mm -hmm. like I think that's such an important process to go through like what what foods do you like like decide ask yourself that what foods do I like to eat what foods make me feel good what Mm -hmm. when when am I feeling like top in the studio what makes me like smile and feel energized and and do more of that but that's a process that has to come from a place of joy and not a place of fear a fear of like not getting the job or disappointing a director or whatever it has to come from this place of like self-worth like I deserve to be here I deserve to be a happy artist so I'm gonna figure out for myself and unlearn like scratch everything I thought I knew and just decide for myself what actually genuinely makes me happy because I could also tell you like overeating didn't make me happy mm-hmm. undereating didn't make me happy so there has to be this like really peaceful kind um empowered middle way where you actually have a voice in what is healthy for you absolutely not necessarily weight not just like food choices but lifestyle and and what's going to make you the happiest, healthy artist, happiest, healthiest artist you can be. Yeah. That that really should take precedent. And as an educator, when a conversation 
comes up, like, I don't go tell them what to eat because it's not really about that. It's mm-hmm. about them becoming empowered to make choices that make them happy and make them 100% feel good. Uh, you are like speaking my mentally, language. All of this, this is what's important because it's, there's so much misery in the world. Like we don't need it on stage. People come to the theater because they want to be like transcended. Nobody is weighing you on stage. Nobody <laughs> is even looking really at your body. They just want to sit there and and not feel the struggle of what's happening outside. So yeah, this is what point. it should be about. And when you go on stage, like you are that epitome of transcendence. Like you embody that no matter where you're standing, no matter what you're doing, you have that responsibility. And if your outside studio choices don't aren't reflecting that and you go off stage and you wipe your makeup and all you think makeup off and like all you're thinking about is your body and how much you can't stand it, then it's not, you know, I mean, there's another path. And I just, I love what you're doing because we have to offer another option. Like this one-off option of the miserable artist, like it's, it's, it's had its day in the sun and yeah. it's over. Yeah, absolutely. We don't I mean, uh, everything you're saying, Catherine, is just like, I literally just want to like jump into the screen and just like talk to you for hours and hours and hours. Like, seriously, I love all of this so much. Um, just the idea, and it kind of goes into one of the last questions was like, how do we define a healthy dancer? And I mean, you said it, a healthy dancer is number one individual, you know, what's healthy for one dancer is not going to be healthy for another dancer. The reel that I posted yesterday about why I don't do what a dance dietitian eats in a day. I'm asked that question all the time. I'm a dancer. I'm a dietitian. Like, tell me what you eat every day. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to because it's just going <laughs> to, I don't want you like comparing. And I want, you know, what I like is not necessarily what you like and like I I rather give you the tools of how you can figure out what you like because it's so easy for a dancer to say oh she's a professional dancer or she's a dietitian for dancers she knows she has it figured out I'm like honestly no like I don't even have to figure it out like I really don't that's right and maybe that's the whole point is that there's really nothing to actually figure out yeah and the first thing you need to do is know that you are worthy of your own kindness and to the extent that you can be kind to yourself in those moments and say you know what I don't deserve this kind of negative self-talk I wouldn't say this to my four-year-old niece I wouldn't say this to my little sister I wouldn't even say this to my own mother so why am I sitting here talking to myself this way in my head that's unfair and Mm -hmm. it's unkind and what we've learned in 2020 is like the world does not need any more unkindness, especially towards yourself. So to the extent that I think you can sit and just respect yourself, just know like you deserve to be okay. You deserve Mm -hmm. to not be bearing the brunt of your own criticism. There's enough of it. Like choose a different path. And I promise like, Once you make that leap, because I'm not going to pretend like that's an easy leap to make. There's a lot of control that gets shed. There's a lot of fears that have to be like stepped over in the process. But once you get on that other track, once you make that little tiny mental jump of gentleness and kindness towards yourself, watch things change. 
Like mm -hmm. your work will change. The way you relate to other people will change. Even, even your diet's going to change. Like I eat more than I ever did because it's not really in my head at the moment what I'm well, eating, right? This reminds me, one thing about the process of intuitive eating is that some dancers will mistaken it to be as learning to only eat junk foods and like how we can reintroduce junk foods. But I have to be honest, when you get to a point of where you're actually giving yourself permission to enjoy all, all foods, a lot of times you realize that like, wait, I actually do like healthy food. I mean, I <laughs> like salads, and like yes. I like nourishing options. Like I can eat I a like salad. Almonds. Yeah. Yeah. Like it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be this thing that comes from a restrictive place. Like I can eat a salad and it doesn't have to be because I'm restricting, but I can also eat a chocolate chip cookie and have that be a mindful, fun, enjoyable, social experience. So it's really about learning Absolutely. not just how to fuel your body, but also how to incorporate foods that make you happy and that make you your own healthy dancer. That's totally true. Like that's totally true. One of the first things after I like came to terms with it with my, you know, situation was like, I went the other route. And I was like, well, I'm just gonna eat whatever I want. You know, mm -hmm. I went from like, being totally afraid of like eating more than an apple to I'll just like do whatever I want to do. And I was just as miserable. Like I can tell you that for sure. Just as miserable. Sure. There was so much drama around the whole thing. Like, mm -hmm. just the whole process was just dramatic. <laughs> so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I was sure. like, okay, maybe there's another, there's another option. And that other option, you know, my diet is very healthy, as, yeah. as healthy as it can be. But it includes chocolate and it includes right. cake. But there's no, I don't beat myself up for it. That's the difference right. between 20-year-old me and 24-year-old me is that yes. chocolate doesn't uh, drive me into this, like, self-flagellation there you go. I mean, it's, it, it's about, it's about food neutrality, That's um, right. not allowing or not having food hold moral value, be good versus bad. Um, and therefore that allowing us to not have so much guilt around what we eat. So all of those are incredible points. I mean, Catherine, you have brought such valuable insight to this live. I cannot thank you enough. No, it's my pleasure. And you know, look, if somebody gains something from it, that makes me so, so thrilled. Just Absolutely. Like, you know, some maybe 20 year old who was like me <laughs> yeah, years sure. ago, you know, if that if that's the case, then it, it would have been worth dealing with because I think less the less we can have, you know, especially young ladies deal with this um, as they're striving to become professionals, they should just be focusing on the dancing. Yeah, that's what's going to flourish a career. Not oh, oh, it will. Yeah, not no, how many totally. calories you're eating in a day. No, no, no. Nobody's counting those except you. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Well, Rachel, thank you so much. Catherine, thank you. Seriously, such valuable insight. Um, reach out to me anytime. You know where to find Catherine. You know where to find me. We are on Instagram. Um, and that's pretty much it. So I will, Catherine, speak to you soon. Thank you again for joining Great. me. Thanks, Rachel.